0: Well, uh, as we've been announcing, we have a, a guest speaker this morning, uh, Monica Hall. Let me give you a little introduction here. Monica Hall is an ordained minister with the Assemblies of God. She's a member of this church as well. She's the executive assistant to the president of North Point Bible College. She's a women's minis- on the women's ministry team for the Southern New England District of the Assemblies of God. She's been involved with kids' ministry for 35 years or so. And her passion is kids. She's one of our kids' teachers, as a matter of fact. Uh, Billy is her husband, right over there in the red shirt. Uh, Jason, her son, is here. Her daughter, Tammy was a student at North point some years ago and Tammy did her internship with us for, uh, I forget how long, about a year or so. So our, 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 thanks for that as well. So Monica, are you ready to give us the word? Come on up here, sister, and give, give her a very warm welcome as she comes today.
1: All right. So I'm really excited to be here. Um, I'm so blessed at the people who receive Christ because when pastor came down, his prayer was that people would get saved today. His heart is, is for his sheep. And I'm just so honored that I've been invited to stand here and that he trusts me to do this. <clears throat> so I'm here to talk about kids. I'm going to start with Moses. Moses had an interesting childhood, it was pretty intense. Um, it, it took him from a, a slave baby floating in a basket to avoid being killed to being adopted into a privileged upbringing. He was forced to run for his life in the desert for many years, and then God called him back to Egypt to save his people, and then he had to go back to the desert for 40 years. He founded a religious community that we've all heard of, Israel. Yeah, it's the same Israel that we hear about on the news today. The children of Israel were denied entrance into the promised land because of unbelief, and It was because they wouldn't believe that God had sent out spies to look. When they got to the land, they were on the border, and he sent out spies to go in and look. And they all came back, except for two, but the rest of them came back and had a negative report. And they said, we can't do this. So 40 years, God brought them there. And then they come back and said, we can't do this. But interestingly enough, when God said the punishment for that was that they would not enter the promised land, it didn't include their children. They were allowed to go into the land. The children were. God's always mindful of the children. They weren't included in that penalty where the punishment was on them. How many here are parents? How many of you have really messed up as parents? (laughs) You know, it's really cool. God doesn't hold that against your children. Deuteronomy 1:39 says it this way: "Moreover, your little ones and your children, who you said would be victims if you went into the land, who today have no knowledge of good and evil—that's how we know they were children—they shall go in there, and to them I will give it, and they shall possess it." So, in other words, the whole generation was going to be penalized for their unbelief. But in this illustration, we see that God didn't hold the children responsible. And there's, there's just a bit of irony in this passage because when the spies came back, they said that there were giants in the land and if they went in there, it would hurt their children. So he said, no, no, they're not going to hurt your children. Your children are the only ones who are going to go into the promised land. And I'm sharing this to say that God truly cares about children. He never forgets children no matter what the grown-ups do. When I was born, my parents did not keep me. They signed me over to foster care. I was born to a mother and father, but that same day I was made an orphan. Today in the United States, there are 113,589 orphans available for adoption. They're waiting today for a family. This is a certain kind of kid, and this is a very specific mission field, and God cares. One of the things I know about my biological mother is she was only 15 when she had me. Ironically, I grew up, and I became an unwed, pregnant teenager. That's another kind of kid, and that's another kind of children's missions that are available. I married. I had more children. Then I got saved. I started babysitting my neighbor's children because I needed money, but I realized this is a whole other group of kids and a whole nother kind of mission field. How many of you have never thought of these things as a mission field before? We think of missionaries, and we think of going to the other side of the world and learning a new language and doing something really hard and something we probably aren't qualified to do. Well, during this time, I began teaching children's church at Sunday school. And I learned that there's many different children. We, went, we moved around a lot in different states. There's different children, different needs different mission field. At the age of two, my son was diagnosed with a life-threatening medical condition requiring immediate brain surgery, no warning. That, follow, that was followed by 15 years of 19 more brain and brain-related surgeries. I spent a lot of years in the Children's Hospital in Wisconsin and Connecticut, and I learned while I was there that there's a whole world that exists that I knew nothing of. I learned about children with disabilities, with terminal illnesses. Those 15 years that I spent in and out of Children's Hospital changed my life, changed my perspective on children. I watched sick, broken children recover, and I watched sick, broken children die. Those are more kind of kids, and that's another mission field. I have four biological children. I homeschooled them. I taught special education in public school. I taught in private school. Uh, I have a passion for teaching children. After school, we started a children's program on Wednesdays, and it was a free program. We had um, immigrant children or migrant workers come in, and they would come into... I'm from Wisconsin, and they would come in every season, and they would harvest the crops, and their children would come to our school, So they really appreciated the after-school care. And what we did is we took our leftover Sunday school material and the same crafts, and we went in there on Wednesdays, and because I was employed at the school, they allowed me to do that. And we had children's church for the kids every Wednesday. A lot of kids got saved. A lot of kids went home. They were learning English in school. Their parents only spoke Spanish, so they would go home and interpret to their parents what they did in the program I know one of the kids j d to this is a pastor today so more kids, another mission field. Then, when my kids got older, my husband and I took in foster kids. We were just called to do that, and we took in. Um, Actually, we didn't want to take little ones from families, so we specifically asked for—and I'm not bragging in any means— but we asked for kids who were hard to place, the ones that were the toughest, because we had already raised our kids. And they came into the house, and we had over 40 kids come into our home. And, And this I'm proud to say, that we took every one of those children to church, and everyone were presented with the gospel. Four of those kids we adopted. These were hard stories. These are children who, you know, we think of children's ministry and we think of puppets and coloring and cute things. And if you notice, I'm not smiling a whole lot because I have seen another side of children's ministry, and it's a very serious side. And again, God cares for his children. Those children that we brought in from foster care, these were kids who were starved. They're drug addict. Parents were, were too doped out to remember to feed them. These are kids who were neglected. These are kids who were going through withdrawals. They were beaten. We have children who were sex trafficked by their own parents, sold by their own parents. Things that I cannot speak of, I learned, happen in our own backyards. This, this didn't happen on the other side of the world. This isn't in some crazy place. This is in our town's. So more kinds of kids, different ages, more mission fields. So I want to talk about missions to children. Now that I bummed you out, because I want you to listen carefully, because I really truly believe God has called us all to care for his children in one way or another. So where? Maybe on the other side of the world. Praise God for the people who pack up and leave and do that. That is amazing to me. But more realistically, maybe it's in your own home, in your local school, here at our church, and in our community. We're we're in a parade, and there's going to be nothing on our float but Mary and Joseph. How many kids are going to see that and go, what are they doing? What is that? And how many parents don't know the answer? So what is missions? It includes many different activities that we undertake because we as individuals and as a group are driven to, by our faith, and a genuine desire to make an impact for Jesus Christ on our world. That's the definition of missions. Missionaries serve through spiritual guidance, humanitarian aid, education, health care, and empowering initiatives. The goal is to meet the needs of a child of children in a way that honors Christ and teaches them about Christ. And I believe every one of us can do that. What are the needs of these children in all these very different circumstances? Well, I named my sermon the 3 Rs, and most people know that the 3 Rs for children everyone thinks of reading, writing and arithmetic. That's not what I'm talking about. These 3 Rs are so important to our children the the reading, writing, and arithmetic, the government felt was so important to our children that we do public school for free for all children. They know that educating and getting to children young make a difference. Interesting fact here in Massachusetts, public school became law when there was an act passed. It was called the Old Deluder Satan Act. And the entire purpose of this act was to give a free education to our children so that they wouldn't be ignorant of scripture. How many people know that? We don't hear that. Now today it's we don't, we don't have God in school. We don't have, school is here because of parents who believed that we needed to have prayer and God in the word in school. The three R's I believe that every child I mentioned previously needs but is not coming from the government or those schools is relationship, reverence, and reaction. Relationship is they need to know that people care about them and the situation that they're in. Reverence is they need to know that they have a heavenly Father who cares even more. And reaction is that they need your help in every situation they find themselves in because children didn't get there on their own. They're the innocence that the Bible speaks of. So how do you show children that we care? How do you, how do you get to all these kids that I just listened? First of all, it's, I think it's rare that you get to all of them. I'm privileged that I kind of did, but I, I, that's not what I'm asking. I don't think that's what God's asking. I would like for you to think a moment about the character of God. And how do we know, what do we know about his character? What does he ask us to call him? What is he known as? He's the father. He's the father to the fatherless. The Bible's filled with information about his character. But I think that he chose to be named father tells us something about his heart. Do you remember the story about Jonah? Jonah. Everybody knows the story about Jonah, right? I don't have to tell that. When Jonah was asked by Almighty God to go preach in Nineveh, and Jonah didn't want to go there because those people were wicked and nasty, and he did not want them to get saved. He wanted them to just die and be punished. He didn't want any part of that. One of the reasons that God saved Nineveh that I think people skim over in Scripture is the huge number of children that lived in that city. It's not a way we usually think of it, but I do. Jonah 4.11 says, Should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left? A lot of people think that just maybe means they were kind of dumb. I don't think that's what that means. I think he was talking about the children who can't discern from their right and left hands. In other words, God was saving the city of Nineveh primarily because there were so many children And he would not punish that city as wicked as it was because the children there kept him from doing it. I truly believe that. The careful study of God's word reveals a heavenly father who deals justly with all of us. But in his justice, he always remembers children. My goal today is to teach you how you can help and to see that each one of you can see that you have a part to play in this, and that you're important. So how can you make relationships with these kids? Be a child care provider in church, your home. Open a daycare. This isn't a commercial for we want you to work here at church. We would like that, but that's not what this is about. We're happy that you're here because we love having your children here. We love having you here, but we believe God is doing a great work here. You saw that with all the little ones who were lined up. What an amazing thing. Teach these children that you're happy that they're here. Love them the way Scripture tells us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves, and then tell them that you love Jesus. In our house, we did childcare. And those kids came in, and we prayed before we had lunch. They, it's just what we did. We prayed before we ate. Didn't really think anything of it. Didn't even realize we were making an impression. And then the parents started coming back and saying, our kids won't eat dinner with us until we pray. What do you guys say? You know? And they would write it down. So getting involved can be something as simple as inviting the neighbor kids in for dinner. They can see how your family lives, and they notice it's different, and they go home and tell their parents. Volunteer at a local school. I told you about the program that we did. And it, it made a difference. We used leftover curriculum. The cost was minor. We, we, we made a difference in this tiny little town called Palmyra, Wisconsin. And, you know, the only people who had a problem with it is the teachers didn't like that. They stood up and said, you can't do that here. And praise God for a principal who was a Christian who also knew the laws and said, absolutely, they can do it here because it's not approved by the school. If you don't believe me, you can look and see that there's, there's something going viral on Facebook. Uh, there is a community in Lebanon, Connecticut, that is now offering a free after-school program. Uh, and it is put on by Satanists, by the Church of Satan. And they are offering a program free from this crazy religion that we're offering the children. So it's real, and the devil hates the children who God loves so much. But he wants their souls. Work with children in our church. I listen to the prayers for children. Stacy said amen. You know, if you ask these little ones for prayer requests... It's not for the faint-hearted, and it's not for gossips, because some of these prayers are hysterically funny. Um, I've prayed for fish that were flushed down the toilet, <laughs> and I've prayed for sorry, and I've prayed for children who watch their parents do some pretty terrible stuff to each other, because they're watching when us silly grown-ups fight, or drink too much, the people who do drugs. They're they're aware of our sins they, they see them, they know and they need our ministry they deserve to be ministered to because they worry they, I, I've heard of things like people worried about getting evicted, they overhear the parents talking about not being able to pay bills not being able to afford food um, they know when there's alcoholism in the family they know it well some of the kids I prayed for are living in cars Violent homes, some are hungry, but they don't want to tell because they know that they could get taken from their parents. These kids walk in some pretty heavy stuff these days. They will open up to you and ask you to pray like this when they discern that you're safe enough to tell. If you don't want to volunteer downstairs, whisper Jesus loves you to the toddlers. Look them in the eye and learn their names. Instead of giving them a dirty look because they're bugging you because you're trying to worship, (laughs) <laughs> I know, I had a bunch of kids. So, you know, make, it, make church a positive experience for them. Because even if they don't come back for a while, when they grow up and have their own children, there's going to be just this feeling of, I don't know, I want to take my kids to church. I, I, I don't really know why. But that deep down in their spirit, there's going to be that positive memory.
0: Amen.
1: You have the power to share the love of God with your eye contact and your smile. Remember Mark nine forty one, 41, for whoever gives a cup of water to drink in my name, because you belong to Christ, assuredly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. God's paying attention to what we do to kids. Volunteer at that children's hospital. Pray through the hallways makes a huge difference. I sat there once and thought I was going to lose my mind because I found out my kid had to have another brain surgery. And as, as God is my witness, I saw angels. I felt their presence. I saw them, and they ministered to me. And I saw them minister throughout the rooms. It was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And I stopped being sad. They love it when people come in. We have famous people, and then we have just regular parents come in and read stories. And they feel special and they feel remembered. And when they find out that you're coming representing a church, the administration might give you a hard time, but if you get the book approved, they'll let you come and read it. The kids love it, makes a difference, and you can always slip in where you go to church. Tired parents and children with cancer who aren't going to be here next year need the hope that we have to share that they're going to see their kids again. Foster kids need you, especially the older ones in care. If you can't adopt them, you can mentor them. If not in your home, then in the community. Imagine turning 18 and aging out of the system, and you don't have a family. Nobody cares. You've been medicated throughout your entire stay in the system. Now you turn 18, and bam, you're not on meds anymore, and you don't have a means to get them. You could probably go apply for help, but you don't know how to fill out those applications. You've never done that before. Unfortunately, the no-child-left-behind law in schools will pass kids who can't read and write, and they don't even know how to fill out the applications or that they exist. I've seen this over and over. Remember that kid that you always see, that young man who looks perfectly capable and able of getting a job in the parking lot at the grocery store who's begging for money? I look at them different now since I did foster care because... He doesn't know what his social security number is or where to get one or how to fill out a job application. We, we, these kids need mentoring. And imagine if we could step up and do that. It's not going to just, you're not going to roll down your window and say, hey, let me mentor you, but you can strike up friendships. And odds are that guy's really hungry. Foster kids and college, I'm sorry, foster kids and adopted kids, they can go to college for free. The state pays for it. Do you know the percentage of foster and adopted kids who go to college? Not adopted, but foster kids who go to college? I believe it's 3%. And the amount who graduate is less than 2 They don't have parents who say, this is what a FAFSA form is. This is how you fill out the application. This is how you get your transcripts. They don't know what any of those words mean. So many of them, we've had a 12-year-old come into our house. We had to teach him how to write his name. He didn't know how to write his own first name. These kids need mentoring. We have the ability to do this. We have the ability to to make a difference in their lives, and then we can share the love of Christ with them when they look at us and ask why we're doing it. This is the answer to the people we see on the streets. 90% of people who are in the prison system right now at one point in time have spent time in the foster care system these are the homeless the addicts the prostitutes the girls who are uh, on making the video the porn videos this is where they come from they're victims they're mission fields and they are a specific group of kids and they need the holy spirit that we have so for me well let me let me do some arts teen mothers Abortion is legal and accessible today. Go out and vote pro-life. Did you know you can make a difference just by doing that? Volunteer at a crisis pregnancy center. Answer phones at a crisis pregnancy center hotline. They don't know that God formed that child in their womb. They see it as a problem. But all children are a gift from God. We see that in our Bible. Many children or people are alive today because someone stepped up to help a pregnant mother. A great need in the the foster care system is for homes for pregnant teenagers. Nobody wants to mess with that. But it's real. I'm so thankful I didn't listen to the people who, even in my own family, who told me that everyone would understand when I was a teen, everyone would understand if I got an abortion. Nobody would hold it against me. I was unwed, pregnant. I didn't have it all figured out. But next year, my daughter, her name's Holly, she'll be 40 years old, she graduated from Bible college, she pastors a church with her husband in Wisconsin, she's been a worship leader for over 20 years, and she's given me three incredible grandsons who all serve Jesus. (laughs) When God gets involved, things change. She was born to break the chain, to break that cycle. Now, a side note, nobody's more sensitive to abortion, I know this, than a woman who's had one. Um, I have good news for you. Abortion is not the unpardonable sin. You are forgiven. If you come home to Jesus, if you accept him as your Lord and Savior, good news is when you go to heaven, you get to see your baby, because he's already there. So you say, "Well, that sounds nice, but how do I know that?" The only things I claim to know are what I find in Scripture. Second Samuel two twelve is the story of David and Bathsheba, and it's a long story, and I won't tell it to you. But there was a point in time where the baby that David and Bathsheba had passed away. While the baby was sick and still living, David cried. He fasted. He prayed. He, he was just wrecked. He, he, God, please, you know. But he's, when the baby was still living, I cried and refused to eat because I thought, who knows? Maybe the Lord will feel sorry for me and let the baby live. And this is David talking. He said, but now the baby's dead, so why should I refuse to eat? Can I bring the baby back to life? No. And here it is. This is how I know those babies are in heaven. Someday I will go to him, even though he can't come back to me right now. So to finish my story, my orphan story, a couple in their 40s was listening in church one day when the, they were Catholic and when the priest got up and said there is a need to take in children. They don't have a place to go. This is back when abortion was not legal, so there was in, it just a lot of babies that needed homes. These people were not looking for more children. They already had six of their own between the ages of 8 and 18, My dad worked two jobs to put food on the table. But they heard the call, they opened their hearts, and they opened their home to take in a kid that wasn't their family, wasn't their problem, wasn't their responsibility, and the state didn't give them food stamps or money or a stipend or anything whatsoever to help. They couldn't afford me, they didn't have room for me, and I bet the other six kids really didn't want a baby in the house. But they did it because they heard the call. My dad heard the call, went home, told my mom, we really need to do this because it's the right thing to do. Two years later, because I had a huge birthmark that covered like half of my body, I was considered unadoptable. <laughs> I wasn't perfect. Thank God for that label. Because of that label, back then, foster parents couldn't adopt. So because I was unadoptable, they were able to petition the courts. And back then, the judge came to your house. So he came to interview the six kids who, like I said, probably really didn't want me there. But when I woke up from my nap, my mom said I got up and I crawled on the couch in the middle of the whole pile of kids. And the judge just laughed and said, okay, I've seen enough. And that day, I was adopted into that family. So now... A million years later, I have four brothers, two sisters, 23 nieces and nephews, 17 great nieces and nephews, and I'm working on a huge family of my own. Praise God, that's pretty cool for an orphan. (laughs) Psalm 68, verse 6 says that God places the lonely in families. Do you have room in your family? If not, can you offer to babysit for a family that does or make them a dinner? So reverence. Who, who are we supposed to have Remember, the three R's reverence is the next one. And don't worry, I won't go too much longer. R- Romans ten fourteen says, How can they call on him who they've not believed? And how can they believe on him who they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone to preach? So we have a dilemma. Three rhetorical questions were asked, but they're legit. So the only way they're ever going to hear the good news is if one of us preaches it to them. Or a missionary that we support preaches to them. Or somebody who we pray for is able to do that. When you study the life of Jesus, you discover he had an incredible love for children. He demonstrated that love on so many different occasions. And there's passages in scripture that talks about all the time. He he even he differentiates between little children and children. So the little children are the infants. Matthew nineteen thirteen says the little children were brought to him that he might put his hands on them and pray, but the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and don't forbid them, for such is the kingdom of heaven. So they brought the children to him so he might touch them. They wanted their babies touched. Isn't that cool? Luke 18 goes on and says he also brought infants to him. That he might touch them. The word is changed from from one of the texts to the other, so it, it one means children, the other one means infants. And they also brought infants to him that he might touch them. When the disciples saw that, they rebuked him again. Jesus called to them and said, Let the children come to me and do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of God. We can't ignore the thing that God cares so much about. Are you getting the picture of the love that Jesus has for children and how it is truly a mission field? And it's a mission field that is probably really easy for us all to be involved in. Jesus called a little child to him after his two disciples (laughs) were arguing about who is the greatest, who is the greatest in the kingdom. And he's like, hmm, yeah. And so he called a little kid to him, and then he said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you're converted and become as a little child, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Psalm 2710 says, Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Well, who are we? We are ambassadors for Christ. We are the ones to do the receiving in his name. Isaiah 40:11 says, He tends his flock like a shepherd and gathers his lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads the nursing ewes. So it's relationship, it's reverence, and it's reaction. Those are the three R's that every kid on this planet needs. If you're not a Christian, then you need the three R's. (laughs) You must come to know Jesus Christ, almighty God, sent his son Jesus Christ in this world to be the savior of all, not just the grown-ups, but the savior of all. He's done all the work, he's done everything that needs to be done. The only thing he asks you to do is to believe that, receive that, to accept that. It's that simple. It's simple enough for a child to understand Heaven is for believers what the promised land was in Moses' time. That's our promised land. On this earth, we have work to do. Our time for rest is afterwards. We pray a prayer every week in Children's Church. It's a simple prayer, it wasn't eloquent and beautiful like Pastor was. It's a simple prayer that if you, if you think you missed your chance, you didn't. It's, Lord Jesus, I've done some bad things, and I'm sorry. Come into my heart, and I will follow you. That's as simple as it. That, that, that's it. That's all you got to do, and every one of us can do that. So I'm going to close now, and I'm going to close, and I just want you to listen to a song that spoke to me many, many years ago. It's very old. But I think it still rings true today. And the days that I get discouraged or I think I'm not making a difference or the kids are bugging me because, come on, guys, they can get on your nerves. Let's be real. <laughs> you can get tired. Every time I hear this song, it reminds me that we have work to do. So that's my message. Amen.
2: dreamed I went to heaven and you were there with me we walked upon the streets of gold beside the crystal sea we heard the angels singing and someone called your name we turned and saw this young man and he was smiling as he came And he said, friend, you may not know me now And then he said, but wait You used to teach my Sunday school when I was only eight And every week you would say a prayer Before the class would start And one day when you said that prayer I ask Jesus in my heart. you gave it anyway Jesus took the gift you gave And that's why I'm here today Thank you for giving to the Lord I am a life that was changed One by one they came Far as the eye could see Each life somehow touched By your generosity Little things that you had done Sacrifices made I noticed on the earth In heaven now proclaimed Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed.
0: Monica, thank you so much for sharing with us today. You, I didn't know exactly what you were going to preach on. I mentioned try to get the kids in there somehow, (laughs) but you you did a perfect, that's exactly what we were looking for, because this is a mission field, absolutely a mission field. So can we stand together? I want to close with a couple of things. I want to read from uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. And I want, to ask, uh, I want to ask Pamela if you could be available. Edna Unger, could you be available to pray with people? And Bill and Esther, just come up here and just be available to pray with people as we close out today. Yeah, yeah, that's good. But Matthew 6, uh, 19 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy but where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves cannot, do not break in to steal. One of our greatest treasures is children. One of our greatest gifts is children. And we say it a lot, but on Sunday morning, there's twenty anywhere between 25 and 35 kids, or more sometimes, Man, we should be jumping up and down rejoicing that somebody got him in the house of the, of the Lord. This is an awesome thing. <clears throat> I, I shared with, uh, who was I talking to? I forget who I was even talking to. Maybe on Wednesday night, uh, a Wednesday night. That our children that we have in our church, in our, in our community, hear all sorts of things in school some are dealing with drug issues at home alcoholism at home sexual identity issues in the classroom or among themselves even we're talking about 10 year olds here at church they're dealing with sexual identity issues at that age so when they come into the house of god it is absolutely a mission field we're reaching into the mission field by ministering to children but i want to i want to close in prayer and I want to have this invitation for you. If anybody here this morning, female or male, that has been impacted by abortion, and you want someone to pray with you, Monica, you said it best. It's not the unpardonable sin. You'll see your baby again. But if you need prayer for that, it's a sensitive subject. So one of these ladies or Bill will be available to pray, men included. I've seen, I've heard both stories where hearts have been broken over that. And then secondly, if anyone feels like, yeah, I want to get involved with some type of kids ministry. Well, can I suggest you start in your own local church? We're always looking for people to get involved in kids ministry. You could be a helper an assistant or whatever. You could help with whatever we need. Um, And you want to have someone pray with you about that. So come on up and pray for that. Uh, yeah, Men or women Men or women are welcome to be a part of that I would include teenagers in that ministry as well Kids and teens And then the second, part, the third part is You may be feeling like I don't know if I could do this Well God knows what you could do And what you can't do But the scripture I just read Is really important Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth Where rust and moth will destroy Thieves will take come in and steal it Lay up treasures in heaven. That song touched my heart. I know that song. That's a beautiful song. But you may be here today thinking, what can I do that will impact eternity? What you can do is touch the heart of a child. Now, I've said this. I haven't said it lately, but you can be a teacher, an assistant, a helper, whatever. Or when you're in church and you see our little kids running all over the place... You could kind of get down to their level and say, Hey, I'm glad you're in church today. And just bless somebody with a word of affirmation that they're in church. That's part of the treasure in heaven. You don't know what that will do to a child. They may not get that affirmation at home, you know? So as they come into the house of the Lord, we adults need to reach out. And I'm saying make a special effort to reach out to do it, because it may not come naturally for you. But you see a little one, take a minute. Get on their level and say, man, I'm glad you're here today. What's your name? And and remember their name. Like Monica, remember, you know, remember their name. So I'm going to pray. And and those three areas are open for prayer. Okay, abortion issue. uh, Someone wanting to to reach into the kid's world. And just to, to build a treasure in heaven. Come on up, have someone pray with you before you leave today. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much. Lord, the mission field, oh boy, the mission field is right, right at home. It's right here. We don't have to go far to look at a child. Lord, we see kids all the time. I see kids all the time lining up for the school bus every day, being transported to school. Sometimes they're in the bus for 40 minutes before they get to their destination. Who knows what goes on in those school buses? And Lord, only you know what goes on in all the classrooms and all the ungodliness that's all all around us. But Lord, thank you for awakening us to this need of focusing on this mission field. We pray, Lord, for a pregnancy care center in town that ministers to women and men that are going through a pregnancy. Uh, we, We pray, Lord, that that ministry will flourish. Uh, we want to pray, Lord, for leaving the streets ministry and other ministries that do reach out to children and kids, teenagers. Bless them abundantly, O oh God, in the name of Jesus. But, Lord, we also pray for kids that are not affected by any of these ministries. They don't have any ministry. No one is speaking into their lives. Lord, we're going to pray right now that you would open up doors of opportunity for us to reach into the lives of people. Let us start with the kids here, but let it also include children in our own families our own loved ones our own neighborhoods where we live Lord let us have eyes that would see what the needs are so Lord continue to bless this missions month this is an awesome day but let us always have a heart for the unsaved, the unloved and the hurting we know Lord that missions is your heart so let us focus on the mission field of children we thank you and we praise you for it now. In Jesus' name, I pray. Okay, please, let's try to keep it kind of reverent. But if you need prayer, come on up. Let somebody pray with you before you go home today. If you got to get a cup of coffee, you could be dismissed that way. But, but someone responds. Someone just say, you know what? I need, to, I, need to, I need prayer for my burden that I carry. For Maybe your own children, as a matter of fact. But come, somebody come forward. Let God minister to you today. And if if you got to go, we'll dismiss you. If you want to stay, stay reverently and just let the Holy Spirit minister today.